Hi, this is Mary Jo Tinlin from Teaching Your Toddler. And today we have a very special guest interview for you. We have Dr. Greg Hammer, MD, who is a pediatric intensive care physician, also pediatric anesthesiologist, professor at Stanford University Medical Center, as well as the author of the book, Gain Without Pain, The Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals, which was released in May of 2020. And he is going to talk to us today about some of his thoughts around being present, as well as having great gratitude and teaching gratitude to our kids. So help me uh, welcome Dr. Hammer to our show. Thank you. Hello, this is Mary Jo Tinlin from Teaching Your Toddler. And today I have Dr. Greg Hammer with me, who is the author of Gain Without Pain, The Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. Dr. Hammer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be with you, Mary Jo. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you take take a few minutes and just tell us a little bit about yourself and about how you um, came to the idea of writing the book, Gain Without Pain. Sure. Well, I... Uh, I'll just go back to my medical school experience, at which time I realized I felt a lot more of a kinship with people in pediatric medicine than in adult medicine. Um, that's actually why I went into pediatrics. I, I just really felt a lot of uh, connection with the people in pediatric health care. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, we tend to be easy to get along with, et cetera. Um, ego is usually not a big thing in pediatrics. So whether it's pediatric surgery or pediatric intensive care or pediatric anesthesia, which are what I do, um, the ICU rather in anesthesia. So uh, I did a residency in pediatrics and um, fell in love with critical care. At that time, the combination of pediatric anesthesia and intensive care was somewhat popular and that seemed like the way to go so after my peds residency i did a residency in anesthesiology and and then fellowships in pediatric anesthesiology and critical care and i've been practicing those at stanford for 25 years and uh five or six years ago i started getting more and more interested um, in wellness for physicians and other healthcare providers i've had a long-standing interest in fitness and wellness for myself I've uh, been a vegetarian for almost all my life and uh, am a physical fitness enthusiast and have had a long-standing meditation practice. And burnout in medicine is becoming such a huge problem, or it, it really isn't just becoming. It's It's been a huge problem for, for many years, especially for the last decade or so. And so we have a program at Stanford called WellMD, and I'm a member of that. And I started... Uh, teaching meditation to my trainees, my medical students, residents, and fellows, and then giving talks uh, with greater frequency on wellness for physicians. And then I had some sabbatical time, and uh, I have a laboratory. I couldn't go anywhere, really. So I thought, well, what should I do with my six months of sabbatical? And it just resonated to write the book because my talks were apparently very well received, and I was getting more and more invitations to talk about wellness and um, started doing a little meditation at the end of my wellness talks. And so the book just sort of was uh, the right time, uh, I guess the right space. So that's that's a bit of the background on the book. Uh, the GAIN acronym just sort of occurred to me. Uh, I, am, uh, I treat pain, of course, as an intensive care physician taking a post 
care of post-operative kids and uh, as an anesthesiologist as well. And the expression, no pain, no gain, always sort of irritated me. So I, I thought, why don't I spin that and, and say that, uh, in fact, uh, there is gain without pain. And the uh -huh. gain... Now I get it. Okay. Uh, the gain <laughs> is an acronym that stands for gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. And I don't think we have time today to go into those four in detail, but I do think those are really the four pillars of resilience and happiness. So I think they can be applied to physicians, nurses, uh, young parents, uh, podcast hosts, all of us. Um, we all, if we want to be resilient and happy, we need to have gratitude and we need to accept the pain and suffering in the world and in our own lives. Uh, we can intentionally or with purpose rewire the way we think because we have a negativity bias and we can change that. We can think more positive and train ourselves to be more positive and and appreciate what we have instead of focusing on what we don't have. And the non-judgment, the, the end and gain, is just really uh, related to acceptance of the world the way it is and accepting ourselves without judgment. So these things are kind of interrelated. And uh, I think I've just had more and more reinforcement for, for those four pillars being really what we need to embrace to be resilient and happy. Absolutely. Thank you for explaining all those. That's uh, that's really good. I, I, I do. I mean, I would love to dive to, into each of those, but um, but specifically when you were talking about intention and you talked about the negativity bias and sort of the the as as parents, you know, we all we always are worried. Right. We just constantly are the day that our child, our first child is born. You just have that feeling for the rest of your life, I think of, am I good enough? What am I doing wrong? How am I, you know, am I messing this kid up? Is he going to make it to adulthood or whatever? And all these things that, that are swirling around in our head and then, you know, couple that with kind of the, the craziness. We're recording this here in um, 2020 and it's a crazy year. I think everybody can agree on that. Um, and so, you know, can you talk a little bit more about that as um, as parents listening to this sh this show about that negativity bias and how that sort of manifests itself in our parenting. Sure, that's a great point. Actually, I think young parents may start to manifest their negativity bias even before or during pregnancy. You know, is mm -hmm. my is this baby going to be healthy? Are they going to have mm -hmm. 10 fingers and 10 toes and all of those things? And then, you know, we do have a negativity bias. We tend to remember the, the negative things instead of the positive things. I can work with a trainee, a, a fellow in the intensive care unit or in the operating room, and everything goes almost flawlessly for the whole day, taking care of a variety of patients. Maybe there's one thing that didn't go perfectly well. And, and when the trainee goes home at night, has dinner with his or her spouse and is getting ready to go to sleep, they take stock of their day. Do they remember all of the things that went well as opposed to the one relatively small thing that may not have gone well, of course not. They they focus on what didn't go well, and that's just the way our minds work unless we use our purposefulness and intention to rewire our brain. Um, so I think there's two really important concepts that apply to young parents and the rest of us, and one of them is when we are present, we're happy. And we can be happy thinking of the past if we're savoring our our wonderful memories, and, and we need to learn from our mistakes in the past. Um, we can think of our future 
to be memories, I guess, with our family and good times ahead. And, and we certainly need to plan in a pragmatic way. But beyond that, we really uh, we shouldn't really dwell on the past and the future. We would tr we should try to be as present as possible with ourselves, with our loved ones, with our children, with whatever it is that is our direct experience at this moment, which is really the only moment that we ever have. And manifestations of how we get stuck in the past and the future, as opposed to being present, are, for example, we, we obsess over the past, we have regret, we feel shame uh, with regard to raising kids. You know, there's no textbook, a roadmap for raising children. And, and you know, I have two of my own and they're very different and they really required different parenting to some degree. And, and that probably is your experience too. Um, so we, we tend to blame ourselves and get stuck in the past for mistakes we made. Um, when in fact, you know, that can only be contemplated retrospectively. There's, there's often no good decision to be made, um, no perfect one anyway. And then we also catastrophize. We think about the future and we think of the worst possible thing. And while in my specialties, actually, I want to think of the worst thing that can happen so I can plan for it and prevent it. But I think that many of us do that much more than we need to. We, we, we think about the future and we apply our negativity bias. And so we catastrophize. We think of the worst thing that might happen and we kind of get stuck on that. And that includes with our kids. You know, is my baby going to be healthy? Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? And when we find ourselves stuck in negative feelings of the past and the future, that's the time to really ask ourselves, are we doing this in a pragmatic, necessary way or not? And if the answer is no, we're just obsessing, then let's just bring it back to the present and, and we can go to these gain principles in order to facilitate that. I like that a pragma being pragmatic instead of obsessive because it is it is something that you can get really obsessed about and and you know you want to be prepared as a parent for things happening you want to think through what could happen here but but like you said you don't want to obsess about it so what are some good ways that we can sort of rewire our brain like you had mentioned to to get out of that loop well, you know, I'll tell you an interesting uh, study, actually, that you may or may not be familiar with, but it's it's out of Duke University and it's called Three Good Things. So I, I think that your listeners could actually search online for Three Good Things, Duke University, and find some interesting material. But basically, they they have done a longstanding study that people can join online, actually. And all the participant need do is commit to thinking of three good things that happen during the day as they prepare to go to sleep at night. And normally, again, you know, when I talked about my trainee who focused on the one thing that didn't go perfectly well instead of all the positive things, that's what we do. We think of the negative things. So the three good things program is simply committing to thinking of three good things, ideally writing them down. I don't write them down. I, I think of them. And what they found is simply by thinking of three good things at the end of the day, people sleep better and they're happier. And that is a perfect example, I think, of intention, the I and gain, or how we can be purposeful about the way we think. Let's remember the three good things instead of the bad things that happen during the day. Well, my toddler fell and now they have a bruise and you know, what are people going to think? I, I shouldn't have let them do that activity. I should have kept a better eye on them, et cetera, et cetera. Let's turn that around and think of, 
you know, I watch my toddler play. And yes, they're finding their way and they're going to be bumps and bruises, but this is good. This is part of growing up. This is this is exploring and learning. So one good thing was my toddler had fun playing today and I had a, a beautiful time connecting with them. Uh, another good thing maybe is I, you know, was able to go for a nice walk with my child or my kids. Um, and uh, another good thing is, well, you know, my spouse came home and we had a wonderful meal together and the kids were so cute. So let's bring it back to the good things. And mm -hmm. the three good things program is, is an example where we have scientific objective data to support that we can use this simple intentional practice, if you will, and become happier people. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting, and and I think you could do you could do it with not just yourself, but also with your child at bedtime as you were going through the bedtime routine. Just hey, let's think about three things that we had that went well today, or in the language that they will understand for their age, right? And I know when my youngest would would go to bed, sometimes he would get so obsessive about things that he would just say, say good things to me, mom. And we would lay there and I would just, you know, mention like ice cream and kittens and like silly little things, but it sort of just made him like get out of that loop of the negativity and not, you know, this wasn't when he was a toddler, he was a little bit older, but still it, it kind of got him out of that loop of what, what was bad and focusing on some things that he liked that were happy for him. So I, I, I really like that idea of maybe doing it both with yourself and then also maybe with your child and get, get your child used to thinking through good things instead of focusing on maybe like you said, I had a fight or I got hurt or whatever the things are in their brain. I think that's a really, really beautiful idea. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that from you and <laughs> recommend that to parents as well. I think that we should really be teaching our kids at home and also in school a lot earlier. In fact, I, I don't think, I'm not sure we teach them at all, even through university, but we should be teaching them how to focus on the positive things and helping shape the way their minds work, even when they're as young as, as two or three years old. Um, you know, I think that we can communicate exactly that suggestion that you just made, and we can teach them how to be grateful. We mm -hmm. can teach them to be accepting of things that are not necessarily pleasant, that they can't change. We can teach them to, as they get a little bit older, be more purposeful about you know, let's say the three good things, as you suggested, and we can teach them not to be judgmental, you know, that not everything has to be good or bad. It, it can just be the way it is. You know, this is the way the world is. And I've, I've felt for a very long time that we should be having classes uh, or incorporating these sorts of principles of mindfulness and, and presence practice and, and gratitude, et cetera, in school as well as at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting concept for the for kids. Like you said, it's it's not um, something that they learn. It's definitely not in their nature, for sure. They're also pounded with so much media and so many things that aren't necessarily happy. You know, a lot of the kids shows are built around conflict instead of um, positive messages, you know, and, and so um, I think taking that time to to sit back and reflect would be an incredible, incredible way for all, like you said, all ages of kids to to learn how to rewire themselves a little bit um, going into the future. We used to tell our kids when they would say nothing, you know, that's not fair. And we would say life's not fair, right? Like it's not. <laughs> but then for the flip side of how can you make it 
still work in your favor and and still look at it in a positive way, like you said, like with the non-judgment and acceptance and that kind of thing. I will, you know, I will just put it out there that when you say it's not in their nature, I think that our true nature is actually to be happy. I Ah. think our true nature is peace and happiness. And not only is that what all 7 billion of us want, but I do think it's our true nature, but we, it gets veiled Mm -hmm. by experience as we Mm -hmm. grow up. And, you know, we we're sort of taught to be selfish, you know, and really looking out for ourselves and we have to get ahead and this and that. I think that uh, these principles of game could be introduced in preschool and kindergarten. You know, why not start the day with, okay, class, uh, you know, children, let's think about something for which we're grateful and just go around the room and everybody can describe something for which they're grateful. You know, these are such important principles and and i think they're common to most philosophies and religion uh religious beliefs as well and yet we just sort of ignore them Uh, i'm not saying that we all ignore them all the time but i do think that they could be much more central in our schools and in our homes absolutely yeah I like that a lot. I think that that whole idea of mindfulness is a really good thing. How how do you, and we're kind of talking about the wrap up of, of the day and, and sort of rewiring, but how how do you think moms can help themselves stay present and mindful as they go through the day when they're so busy with their little ones and maybe even have multiple little ones running around? That It's really hard. Their brains are fried. How, does, how do they still stay present? Well, you know, I'm not going to, say some Pollyanna answer, you know, I, 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 my heart goes out to people with young kids. I know how stressful it is and, and how tiring it can be. And so there's no simple solution to that. But I do think that the emphasis is in the direction of those four principles that we talked about, the gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment. So when we tend to start thinking about all these negative thoughts about our kids running around and making a mess and the phone's ringing and I've got to do this, you know, okay, we're kind of getting stuck in the past and the future again. Let's bring it back to the present. Let's start with gratitude. I'm so grateful my kids are healthy enough to be running around and making a mess. You know, it could be a lot worse. There could be something terribly wrong with them. Um, and, you know, again, I would just go back to these these game principles. And, um, and, and th- those are very practical ways to bring the focus to the present moment, to be really mindful. And I don't have anything more magic than that to suggest. <laughs> That's good. It, it is. You know, even if, even just stopping for a moment and the little things and even my kids now, they when they're loud and they're get, and they're laughing and I think, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy that they're laughing with each other instead of yelling at each other. Right. I'm so glad uh, they get sure. along. Um, and I try to try to get a little bit more grateful for that. Um, not always easy. Like you said, it's not there's not a, there's not one Band-Aid answer for it. But um, yeah, well, I I. I so appreciate the the discussion today. Um, before we sort of wrap up, and I want I want you to tell people how to find you, but um, but what kind of final words of encouragement or um, or wisdom do you have that you think uh, the audience might be interested in hearing? Well, I think for for young mothers and young parents in general, uh, there's just such a magic to connecting with your children and being present with them that. It brings us in touch with 
such love and unconditional devotion. And so, again, you know, just let's try to be mindful of the privilege and the magic of connecting with our infants, toddlers, children, and even teenagers who can be very difficult to connect with at times. <laughs> but let's just bring ourselves back to the magic of that connection and the unconditional love that uh, we're so privileged to enjoy. Oh, thank you. That is a really beautiful way to say that. I appreciate that so much, Dr. Hammer. So tell us where um, where can people find you? Where can they buy your book? They can find me uh, at greghammermd.com. That's G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D, all lowercase.com. And there's a link to the book. The book is on Amazon. And I know that it's a book for healthcare providers. I've got a pocketbook which is Gain Without Pain, Your Happiness Handbook, uh, that perhaps young parents might enjoy. And, uh, you know, more books to come. And you and I talked about maybe even collaborating on Gain Without <laughs> Pain, The Happiness Handbook for Young Mothers or Young Parents. But for now, GregHammerMD.com and, and, or find the book on Amazon, just Gain Without Pain, Greg Hammer in the search box, and Fantastic. you'll find the book there. Oh, good. Well, I will also drop that uh, those links in the um, in the show notes along with your Facebook and LinkedIn if anyone is interested in learning more about you. And uh, again, Dr. Hammer, I appreciate you so much being on the show today. And uh, I definitely hope that we can catch up again on other subjects and talk about uh, any other new books that you have coming out. That would be my great pleasure, Mary Jo. And, and thank you for having me. It's been wonderful being with you. You bet. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. This has been the Teaching Your Toddler podcast with Mary Jo Tinlin. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you'll find us on our website at www.teachingyourtoddler.com, as well as on Facebook at Teaching Your Toddler, on Instagram, and on Twitter at Teaching Toddler. So join us again, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much.